verbal display challenging ET in general out oh, in the yeah, middle of nowhere? That's what I was doing. I actually had a uh, pistol in my hand at the time. Um, I was really ticked off. When I was having this fit, I, had, I was waving the gun in the air, okay, and I had this fit. And at this moment, I said, okay. Montaldo, folks around called him Six Gun Joe. Worked with Icar, don't you know? Investigating UFOs. Out for a drive with a gal one night, they stopped to check out the reporting site. When an alien lit right there on the ground, commenced to throw in his weight around. Now, old six gun didn't take too kindly to that kind of thing, especially without Vaseline or anything. You know, seriously. Well, six gun looked that critter right in the eye and said, "Any last wish before you die?" Yells, reached for his gun, quick as a twitch, and said, "Fill your claw, you son of a bitch!" Now, a legend spread across the land about this pistol-waving man. But if you're from space or from Earth below, you don't give no lip to Six Gun Joe. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo. Yes, Joe Montaldo. What was that? Well, welcome to me, whatever the hell that was about. Mm -hmm. New technology flashing around in the studio. You never know what's going on. Actually, no, that was not supposed to be part of the intro. Uh, it's a speaker system warming up, actually, is what it is. Mm -hmm. When I kick it off later, you'll, you'll hear it go off. Uh, a lot of stuff been going on, a lot of weird stuff. In the world, I mean, you know, when you catch the news on Friday nights when we do the news, it's just so much weirdness going on, so much craziness going on. A good friend of mine wrote to me today and asked me if I thought we'd still be doing these kind of shows in two or three years if we'd have internet or if we'd have the power to do it or things like that. I said, well, you know, maybe so, <clears throat> maybe not. I don't know. I guess we'll find out soon enough. Uh, but it's not a topic for tonight. It is just it is for Friday night on News and a Flip Side or Centralist, whichever one. We happen to be on. We've been on the flip side lately because we've been doing some alternative news as well as regular news. So uh, you can catch either one of them. Yeah, so it, it's a good place to come check out the news. And at least we're honest about it. We, we don't have any agendas when it comes to the news. We just look at the news for the news and, and uh, see what you – well, you know, because there's always – I don't know why people just can't be honest about anything. A friend of mine read me an article today. It says um, – it's from the uh, Newsweek, actually. It says uh, Democrats win three re three seats in strong Republican states. Okay, that's that's cool. Ah, but they lied. 
they won back three Democratic seats that the people either stepped down or died. So it wasn't a big thing. They just simply held on to seats they already had. But that's what I'm saying. That's not a truth. That was a lie, what they put out there. And the reason I bring this up is because the government does the same thing with UFOs and aliens and abductions and stuff like that. You know, they'll, they'll tell you one thing and actually mean something entirely different. Uh, it's just, it's just, you know, and they use it for a lot of cover for a lot of things that have nothing to do with aliens. Over the years, I can't even tell you, probably once a year at least, we stumble across something that's not alien related. It's it's very advanced, very secret. Uh, we stumble across it because of the type of research we've been doing and the size of research staff we have these days. But um, it turns out to be Uncle Sam's, <clears throat> or it's not always Uncle Sam's. Sometimes it turns out to be corporate. And we just leave it alone and go on about our merry way. No, because, you know, it's not something we're going to go around reporting. I mean, we don't want to get in trouble with these people because we do do a lot of research. And at least they know if we run across stuff that's legit, we're not going to go around blabbing it to the whole country. Oh, we just ran across this secret thing. We, it's, it's, well, it's just a wrong thing to do. I mean, our government needs, needs its privacy and our companies need their privacy to do what they're going to do to keep us safe. Oh, if I thought it was something that was going to harm us, but if that was the case, it'd probably be dead, so we wouldn't have to worry about it anyway. Well, that's the problem with all of this. When you get into something that's really serious, odds are, unless you happen to have the clearance, uh, you, they're going to find you floating in a lake somewhere or been run over by 18 wheel. I mean, I've been threatened many times over the years over this stuff. I mean, many, many times. For a long time there, when, Jesus, for the first 20, 25 years we were in this, it was regular, at least the first 25 years. I mean, it was regular, just regular threats, you know, updated threats, calling the show threats. Oh, man, I had people calling. We had people break into the system and call in when we were, with, <clears throat> when we were on 1690 uh, Riverside, Iowa. Uh, that's, by the way, in case you didn't know, that's where Captain Kirk was born. Not William Shatner, but Captain Kirk. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to mess with y'all with that. Um, but... Even there, we were getting broken on a regular basis. See, in the old days, we had drop boxes and phone boxes, so we had an out, uh, it's a little otter box on it, and it, it would tell you if somebody was listening. So if, as long as it was green, it was a closed line, it was just the people who you were talking to. Ah, but if it lit it red, it means someone else was in the line. So until, until we switched over to about the middle of Skype, it stopped. And, um, well, even on Skype, because I was still using a phone line, I could still see it. I had my actual cell phone running through it. And, uh, well, because, look, you can listen to, there's nothing we're going to say on those phones that we're not going to say online when it comes to our research. There are stuff we keep secret inside the organization, but if you're that desperate, I mean, yeah, just tap the lines or tap the cells or something, and you'll hear us going back and forth. It's a lot, a little bit harder now, you know, because there's a lot, oh yeah, it's not as easy to tap cell phones as it used to be. Oh, it's gotten pretty hard. Well, 128-bit encryption is not exactly – it's not unbreakable. It's not exactly the easiest thing to break, and some of them are even better than that these days. So you can run things like that. And, and we have methods for keeping stuff quiet if we want to. There's, there's ways – we have what we call um, – these are hidden meetings. No cell phones allowed, even in the same – no electronics allowed, no computers allowed. Everything's done on notes and paper, <clears throat> and that paper's burned once it's put into the, the storage computer. So – ICAR has what we call storage computers. And uh, the biggest one is right here sitting next to me. It has no access to the internet. It does not even have a modem. There's not even a place to plug it in. No. Uh, so when I want to use it, 
I have a special card I made that I, I open it up, I plug the card in, I plug it up to the, and not just to the computer it's going to be working with. And that computer is not plugged into my ethernet or my internet. None of that's plugged in. So, and then I take it out when I'm not using it. Yeah. Cause it's a big hassle. If somebody want to just run in and grab information it means you got to install the card. It's, it's just not easy. No, there's no floppy disk or anything like that. And nah, that's none of that stuff. You can't, and you can't even plug a USB into it to get, I actually know I use, what I did one is when I set it up, I set it up old school with the old style keyboards, not USB keyboards. No, 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 no USBs on there anywhere. It's a, uh, it's very, and it has, it has pretty serious security on it to start off with. And everything's in a nice, a program a friend of mine wrote two decades for me, lasted forever. And a friend of mine just recently updated all the stuff and redid all the software. So I can, I can go in there and I can upload it to one of these computers and put it in a packet and send it to somebody, you know, and on a floppy, not on a, I'm sorry, on a floppy. <laughs> I'm sorry, I get floppy in the brain now. <laughs> on, on a thumb drive and send it to them. And then it comes with uh, another thumb drive that has a code in it. Uh, so you can't even, even if you plug the thumb drive in and take the information off of it, you can't even get to it without the other code to get in there. And it will not let you get into it. If your computer's access logged into the internet, it will not let you, uh, it won't work. And even if you take that thumb drive out, once that information has been formatted into the computer, if you try to log into the internet, it will not work. Mm -mm. Uh, well, most, but like I said, everybody has what we call a safe computer. So it doesn't really matter. Those computers are not hooked to the internet anyway. Well, Denise, it's not so much to protect iCar's information and what we've learned, which it is a lot about that, but it's more about protecting the people who come forward. Um, we're not a 501c3, so we don't have to give the information to government. They actually have to drag us in the court. They have to sue us and drag us in the court to get personal information from people. Um, yeah, they have to drag us in the court, service with warrants, and then everybody in the country would be going, wait. Why are they picking on these people? What's going on over here? Because we've been around a long time. <clears throat> Just coming out of the blue and start picking us is not going to make you look good. Especially right now with all this other stuff being said about all these these alphabet these soup, these alphabet soup organizations getting in so much trouble with each other. Um, no, I mean, and besides that, anybody who listens to me regularly knows <clears throat> I'm willing to share. I just, I want to know who it's being shared with and what it's being used for. And a lot of times we don't have to give them people's names. They're more interested in the information, things that we've learned that go on in the contact situations. They're more interested in that. They're not so much, they don't need Jane or Bob or Gene or Kim or Mark, or anybody else's name for that reason, because, you know, they really don't have to have that. Uh, hey, James, what's up? Uh, I don't know if it's looping. It shouldn't be looping. I don't know what that's about. Uh, you know, somebody said it did that on somewhere else. On uh, a couple of weeks ago, I did that on Facebook or something. Yeah, somebody may, might be something going on with something going wacky with uh, streaming. I'll have to check and see. No, no, I remember it was Dell. Matter of fact, it was Dell Essie's show. And um, and I was listening to it on YouTube and I wouldn't have any problem. But somebody else said, I think they said they were on Skype. I mean, not on Skype. I'm sorry. On uh, Facebook. And it was looping. I'll ask. I'll have to find out what it is because we don't need any lubing. If it is lubing, guys, you can always listen to us on 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 uh, on any of the Facebook pages, any of the UFO pages, you know, UFO Paranormal Radio, UFOs, extraterrestrial, UFOs, gods, and extraterrestrials, you know, any of my personal Facebook pages, uh, you can listen to them on. So, or, or UFO on the cover, UFO Paranormal Radio, News and Flipside, all those pages up. And of course, if you have Roku Television, you can listen to us on Roku Television. 
And matter of fact, I'll make sure we're on the main site so you can listen off the main site too. Well, usually it just opens right up. Well, to be honest with y'all, I've been running Mardi Gras on the main site for uh, the last the last three days, to be totally honest. Well, when it comes back, I'll fix it. But um, no, the main the main site's been running Mardi Gras. That's you know, well, that's been busy. It's Mardi Gras. I didn't want to put it on any of the the inbound computers um, because it just doesn't need to be there. Well, hold on. I'll answer that question in just a second. Let me do this. This is a pain in the ass. Trying to talk and do this at the same time. It's because uh, I got something on my, my mind, but I want to talk about it after I do this. Sorry, guys. I don't usually do this in the middle of the show. All right. Y'all should be able to pick us up on the main, main site now, too. So you can pick us up over there. There's so much that the government thinks they know, but they don't really know. You know, when I talk with people who work inside the government, I talk with people who uh, do research for the government in these areas. And there are groups that still do research for these. I know according to the news media it is not, but according to quite a few people that I know, there are. And I then, so it's weird for me. I started out in the military not doing this. And because of that, I made a lot, a lot of friends back then. And as time went on, um, I met a lot of other friends. You know, I, I got to meet different astronauts here and there. Uh, Stephen Bessette introduced me to Buzz Aldrin and um, oh, why can't it? Edgar Mitchell and uh, at the Washington Press Club. I got to meet them and I got to meet the, another gentleman there and then I met a couple of the uh, shuttle astronauts. But anyway, long story short, you start meeting these people. Well, because I have a, a really high security clearance, but I also have a bachelor's in science, I'm a geek. So some of our directors have family members who work inside of organizations like Boeing, Lockheed. Uh, one of my good friends works out at, um, not Area 51. I always want to call it Area 51. Um, what the hell's the name of it? I was just talking to somebody about this earlier. Um, damn. Uh, what the heck? Los Alamos, sorry. I don't know why that went out of my brain. Um, but anyway, I got a really good friend that works over at Los Alamos. He used to work for someone else, a very famous scientist uh he owns his own business no not elon must be for anybody answers if you want to know it's bigelow uh, but anyway over the years i've made lots of friends like this i got some friends in boeing i got some friends in several different companies and i got several friends in the military and we talk about this on a fairly regular basis well what's interesting about this is is you get little bits and tidbits of information that they can tell you because it doesn't really matter. My, you know, it's need to know, but my security clearance is so high, they know I'm not going to go tell anybody, so it's not a big deal, and they're not going to get in trouble for it, uh, which I found interesting. And we found this out by accident from, uh, oh, I was going to get ready to say her damn name anyway. <clears throat> I met this chick in Las Vegas, and she works in a base um, in Las Vegas. It's not Area 51. It's really, really, like, it's part of Area 51, but it's not actually Area 51. And we got to talking about particular craft that they've been testing. Tasks that she stuff that she knew about that had passed across her desk that she had to get particular things for, uh, which I can't even say that out loud, but that anyway was shipped over to Area 51 where they were flying. So we know they listen to the inbound outbound calls in all of these places. <clears throat> Doesn't matter who it is, uh, all calls get recorded and listened to at these different facilities, whether it's a government facility, 
whether it's a, a private facility, whatever it may be, they're being it's being listened to because they don't want you selling your information off to the Chinese or the Russians or whoever it may be. They might want to do that, but they don't want you doing that. So no, I'm just kidding, but they don't want you doing it. So they actually listen. So it's I've been doing this for a long time, 35 years, and then no no time have I ever been flagged for that kind of stuff. I've been flagged for saying some stuff that's inside my security clearance that I shouldn't have, but. Uh, but, you know, when you talk about something that's 30 years old, you figure, oh, well, come on, the Chinese and the Russians already know about this. What's the big deal? And uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? Chinese what? I got a lot of friends from China, so, yeah, both in the U.S. and in China, yeah. Oh, over the years, I've just met a lot of people. <laughs> you know, that's, I don't know if that, what, what you'd call it, but that's racist at the very least. You can't say stuff like that, no. Um, <clears throat> no, you can't. I'm glad you're not in the chat because it would piss me off. Well, because there's a difference. Yes, there is. I'm not going to get into that. You know what? You want to talk about that? You come in on Friday night and we will break break that into open conversation. It's just not for this particular show. What do you mean? Who? I work for the Chinese. <laughs> the Chinese can't afford me, man. Neither can the Russians. Uh, you know, okay. Real quick, we're going to, we're going to sidetrack for a second. Then we're going to get back to what we were talking about. I know people <clears throat> always worried about China and Russia, China and Russia, China and Russia. Personally, I don't know what Putin's up to. He's got a hair up his ass. What should leave it on? I just don't feel China wants to get into a war with the United States. It's not beneficial for any country. It's not a war they can win. It's even, even us, even if we win it, we're going to be devastated from it or, or so broke. It's not going to matter. So it's not a war either country really wants. What the two countries have to figure out is we have to get past some of China's uh, uh, stuff that they did in the past that we need to work on. We did bad stuff in the past too. So, you know, it's, if it's going on right now, yes, it needs to be addressed. But the two countries, if, do you realize if these two countries could become friend friends, like the United States is with Europe, the world would be changed in no time at all. Yes, because they're both very ingenuity countries. They both have a lot of money and they can change the world, but they'd have to do it together. Try to do it alone is just going to start a war. And I don't think either country wants that. As far as Putin goes, look, guys, I don't know what's up with Putin. I really don't. He's got he's got a hair of his ass, and I just, you know, we'll just have to wait and see what's going to go on with that. But anyway, getting back to what we were talking about. Well, no, what do you mean? Do they, well, Chinese have information on this stuff, too. I mean, all the big countries do. I don't mean land-wise big countries. The big countries, the powerful countries, all have some information on this. Yes. Now, different countries have different amounts. And, and um, well, here you go. So China has 1.35 billion people. America has 340 million people right now. So the sightings in this country outnumber the sightings in China like 40 to 1. I don't think it's because they're not being seen. I think it's because they're not being reported. It's a difference. Oh, no, there's still a lot of sightings. In Russia, too, there's a lot of sightings. And look at Russia. Russia's big, wide open. I mean, you could put China and the United States in Russia. I mean, they're big, wide open country. And uh, for as big as they are, they still have a lot of sightings come out of there. And then, what, at last I heard, I think they had 180 million people that live in there. Yeah, they're not, it's not like they're a big, huge population. A big, huge country. They're like Canada which is another big waste of space. I mean, both Russia and Canada, both big wastes. I mean, between the two of them, they have like one third of the earth's land mass and not even a third of the population. I think it's like 10% of the population. I mean, if you take China, and, I mean, if you take Russia and Canada and put them together, it's only like 220 million people. I mean, yes. I mean, it's nothing for countries that huge. So if you could, I mean, 
India and China could move into to Russia, man, it, it would actually take up some space. Yeah, I'm sure it'd start World War III. I'm going to doubt about that. But, but that's the point. We shouldn't be here. This is 2023. We should have been past this crap already. We should have been moving forward as a world. We should have been, cancer should have been cured. Most diseases should be cured. We should have colonization of Mars and other asteroids and other moons around the solar system. We have put ourselves so far behind because of ignorance and simple stupid hates over mostly stupid crap. Um, Here we are. And now we're on the edge of annihilation. So you figure it out. I mean, it shouldn't be this way. We should be somewhere else. And this is the age of Aquarian. Jesus, we're trying to blow each other in the age of Aquarian. What's going to happen when the age of Taurus gets here? <laughs> it's going to be horrible. Uh, hopefully I don't come back to this world. I'll come back to a different one. I'm just teasing. Anyway, let's get back to what we were talking about. So by meeting all these different people, it's it's easy for me to to get inroads into different projects and different stuff like that. I mean, if you go back and you actually listen to our shows, you'll find out we're the ones that broke the X-117 long before it was ever made public in, in Desert Storm or anywhere before that. We're the ones that talked about it was being running in 1976. Oh, you're crazy. Oh, no. Of course, now it's officially found out it was running in 1976. Uh, we found out a lot of projects go on. We found out a lot of UFOs aren't UFOs. Well, the UFOs just means unidentified flying objects. So they are UFOs because they're unidentified, but there are UFOs. They're not alien UFOs. I'm like the military loves it. So this is just to help everyone out who does sky watching. So if you live in Western California from, from Southern part to the middle part of Western California, you live in Nevada, you live in New Mexico, you live in Arizona, you live in Colorado. And uh, I think it's Idaho. If you live in those States, there's a big, huge swath of no fly zone there. Oh, yeah, because Area 51 and Area 53 are all right there in the middle of Los Malamos is over here. There's just, there's just a lot in there. And there's, you know, well, there's White Sands also in New Mexico. New Mexico itself is pretty much a no-fly zone. <laughs> I'm just saying. It pretty much is what it is, just a big, huge no-fly zone. But what I mean by this is stuff are already being seen flying in these areas. So, be, oh, they're aliens, aliens. Well, now why is aliens flying in no-fly zone? That's a sure way to get shot at. Um even though we couldn't probably bring one down, it's a sure way to get shot at. So why fly there? There's lots of big planets, lots of places to fly. You fly over the oceans. Because these are places, if something goes down, we can retrieve them quickly and easily without anybody seeing what happened. And it's our projects. That's where the Aurora was tested. That's where the TR-3B was tested. All kinds of versions of both those planes were tested. The Aurora runs on a... um, It uses... It's, it has two types of engines on board. It has a ram scoop engine on board, and it has a, uh, it's not a gravity drive, but it's a, um, oh, they're badass. They can easily go into space. Most people I've heard talk about say they can block, break Mach 20 and Mach 30. The biggest problem I've heard is the, the inertial type dampener system we have for them can't keep the pilots conscious after about Mach 15. They're out. So we just, they just, they got a lot to work on. And, you know, I mean, the faster you go, the more pressure you get. Oh, well, just think about your stand and anything goes from zero to Mach 30. You're scorched. You're pancake on the walls, what you are. So you can't have that. It's, it can't run that way. So it just, there's lots of things besides just going fast. I mean, so 
let's let's talk about going into deep space. So we could actually line up a spaceship with Jupiter and keep slingshotting it back and forth and get it real close to light speed without anybody on board. But the problem is it would never get there because of the microparticles in space. One of them would hit it and shred it. Yeah, you know, this a particle this big could just shred the whole big thing because it's going so fast. Um, it has to be built out of some kind of carbon or some type of material that's basically, you know, really, really indestructible with some type of shield around that. And then maybe you could do it. And if you had all that, then you'd basically have an inertial damper system. You would, wouldn't feel as much inside the craft when it was happening. So I would imagine any any race that can travel through deep space, if they crash, I guarantee you their ship don't break up on an impact. No, nope, it, it probably in, impales itself into the ground. One big hunk of a ship. Yeah, I mean, if it's going like, if it's, <laughs> yeah, if it's, No. Who told you that? It's 186,000 miles per second. It's not 136,000 miles per you know, per mile. It's 186,000 miles per second. Who knows what that is? Anybody who's in the chat or in the other chat? 186 miles per 186,000 miles per second. That's easy, people. If you're into any kind of sci-fi people or any kind of science, you should know this. Shame on you, people. What do you mean? What am I giving away? Oh, I'm glad you said that. I had to go bring Tamara's books and I forgot today. Um, well, what I got, I got, what do I have to give in here? I just got books right now. I can give you um, L. Ron Hubbard's Fear. I got a couple of them left. Everybody tells me it's scary. I haven't read it, but everybody tells me it's scary. I got it on, uh, you know what? I got, let me see. Oh, yeah. I've got one, one audio set left. So first one who writes to me and tells me what 186,000 miles per second is, and then we'll go from there. It actually has a name, people, yes. Uh, anyway, so, we're, you, you know, cruising through space at those speeds, you really got to have something to protect yourself. So let's get back to what do humans know about aliens? Or let's say, okay, Roswell, if it was a crash, we crashed it. And basically what I've really figured out about Roswell, I had some real good experts I've worked with this over the years. And uh, my friend, DeAndre, who passed a few years back, she would, she knew more about Roswell than anybody. I know I know Stanton Friedman, who I interviewed over 40 times, said he knew, but I actually think DeAndre knew more than he did. She just she had inroads that he didn't, and she also had in, inroads to the nurse and stuff like that. And because of some of the stuff she had, it actually it gave me an inroad, not directly, but indirectly gave me an inroad to a group of people who had lost their father and their two sons. And uh, they were Boy Scouts. The, the dad and the two boys were Boy Scouts. They actually said they had seen, this is in Corona, New Mexico. They had actually seen a large craft impacted in the side of a mountain with what looked to be four or five bodies laying on the side of the, the ground, kind of glowing, glowing, but it kind of a pinkish color, almost looked like they had melted. He said they looked kind of human. Uh, the... Mac Brazel's ranch, which was in Roswell, New Mexico, whatever came down there came down in pieces. Well, it hit and broke up into pieces. Sounds like maybe it might have been an escape craft, might have been uh, uh, some type of shuttle or something. I really think it was an escape craft. I think the Greys were trying to teach us how to fly that stupid ship in humans because we don't have much psychic power yet. Screwed it up and crashed it. No, it's not a Greys craft, uh, Janine. They're, okay, Greys are true saucers. They have big ones, they have little ones, but they have true saucers. They also have these massive 
ships they have in deep space, but they have true saucers. Uh, if you've ever seen a forbidden planet, <clears throat> they got saucers that look like that. I'm not kidding you. Um, but the reptilians have what you would call elongated saucer. It's like somebody took a saucer like this and just stretched it out. And it's got that oblong shape to it. That's what it was. So they were trying to teach us how to fly one of them, and we crashed it. We're the ones that crashed it. And the problem was, is once I had originally brought that story up, the only people who would argue with me about it was Stanton Freeman and one other gentleman. Everybody else left alone because anybody who knew about the corona crash knew that was probably what really happened. Well, there's been several cases I've rewritten over the years, and it's been cut. Well, it's not just because of me. When I say rewritten, I mean, I'm the one that actually gets credit for it, but it was usually a team of people uh, that had been involved in it. Well... In the Roswell stuff, Dee Andrews liked to keep everything straight and honest, and she stayed on my ass. And she didn't like it when I rewrote it. Um, but, you know, there was a lot of good stuff to it that was hard to get around, like the crash in Corona. There's too many witnesses to the Corona crash. Nobody ever wants to talk about it because Roswell's a thing. But Roswell, nobody's even alive from Roswell anymore. And people, oh, I found this from Roswell. Well, really, can you prove that? Well, no, not really. Oh, okay, well, thank you there, Bob. That's the problem with old cases. Once they get so old... People, oh, I found this or it came up here, you know, then you got to authenticate it. And most of the time you can't. It's just the way it is. You know, I, I can't, you know, we do research research. We're not here to, to jump in the first bandwagon or, or to look around and say, oh, well, that's how it is. No bullshit. It's not how it is. And, and y'all know me. I'm not scared to tell anybody bullshit. I'll call anybody out on any damn thing. And I don't mind being called out if you think I'm lying or telling the truth or not telling the truth or if even not right, which is, hmm, that doesn't happen often, but not <laughs> just telling you at a time. So over the years, since I've known all these people, you know, from time to time, I'll hear about something, or I'll see something. Or like with Senator McDonald, we found that he had seen a TR3B. Um, originally, when all this, when we, and this was all really secret when all this went down, which was over like a, a year period, year and a half period. Um, it was kept real secret inside of our organization. He didn't say anything. Nobody said anything. And then one day he got up, I was watching Congress and he got up and he come unglued. He, he started, he was like, look, I am on the top secret government appropriations committee. This thing flew over my car. I had to go to a civilian to find out what it was. Once I found out what it was, I went back to the military and said, look, I know what this is now. And they had to tell me the truth. He said, so you're running projects off of my budget and not even he come unglued on their ass like y'all wouldn't believe. And I'm the one he got the information from. I don't know who he never did tell me who turned him on to me. Uh, he never would tell me, but um, oh, come on. If y'all have ever heard me tell a story, I didn't believe any of that. <laughs> I got a phone call from one of his aides. I'm like, they started saying, this is Senator Man. I went, click. I, I mean, I did that click on these people like 30 times too. And uh, I got I got a vanilla envelope showed up at my house with a picture of him and his congressional ID and his driver's license. And I just tore it up and threw it in the garbage because I knew that sense bullshit. Somebody faked it. And then, I don't know, uh, it was about three or four weeks after that, somebody knocked on my door and it was the men in black for a better way to explain it. I looked at these two guys. There's no doubt these guys were secret service or something. I was like, oh, shit. I'm like, what did I do? I'm in deep trouble in this big black limousine parked in front of the house. I said, okay, I'm just the last time anybody's going to see me. And it was actually him. And we talked for a while. And uh, I told him everything I knew. I sent him everything I had on the computers. And he promised me if he ever found out, he'd send me information. And I, I didn't hear from him. But all of a sudden, about six months later, 
a big fat vanilla envelope showed up at my house full of all this graphic designs, uh, colors, pictures, new styles, new designs, all in TR3Bs uh, and a few other craft that were in there. I guess he figured that he needed to repay me. I don't know. Uh, they have all been put on a computer. The actual paper itself has been destroyed and everything's been put on a computer somewhere. Everything was copied and put on a computer. Actually, it's on three different computers, if you want to know the truth. Mm -hmm. You got to keep stuff safe, man. I mean, you know, I don't know what this is. I, I, you know, was it a fake? Was it real? Did I end up with the blueprints for several types of TR3Bs, this little lonely guy? So I wanted to make sure if anybody ever got them, I couldn't figure it out. So that's what we did. But we keep a lot of stuff on paper. But we don't keep it on forever. We have limitations to how long something stays on paper before it has to be destroyed. What do you mean we're top? No, we're not a top secret organization. We're just not a five hundred one three C. We do think we're not like MoveOn, who goes around blabbing your information to everybody. I have I've had so many friends in, over the years who've gotten so mad at MoveOn for telling their stories or writing books about their stories over the years. It's um, that, you know, I left for a different reason. I left because they were just a black hole of cut cutter. That's the only reason I left. Anything you put in, you never got any response back on. No information was flowing. It was just, it was just, you know, I don't know what it was. Well, Walt, Walt was stepping out and John was, Schusler was stepping in and he was black ops and uh, he worked for different, like Boeing and him on black ops projects. That's what he did. That's what he did for a living. Yeah. The, the, all three of them, him and the next two that followed him were all worked in black ops. One was a, one was a code breaker. I think that was James and, and the other one did something else, but all three of them were, were, were black ops. That was the last three move on leaders until you got to the one you got right now. And I don't even know anything about him. I haven't researched him, don't want to know, don't care. I haven't seen any substantial change in organization, so there's no reason to go look. They didn't even start chasing uh, abductions until I made it. Okay, look, until however long this ago was, uh, I was hosting Wake Up USA. Um, Paula Harris had came, Paul, Paola Harris had came on the show. It was our second or third time. And we were talking, I started talking about alien abductions. She got so mad at me. She did not talk to me for a year. I had several, Richard Dolan, several other people. Uh, yeah, a bunch of them told me, oh, don't talk about that. Don't talk about that. Don't talk about alien abduction. So I went on talking with other people who wanted to talk about it for years. And I ran into Paula Harris at the 60th anniversary in Roswell, Mexico, gave a big hug, and we talked and started doing radio again. And at this point, she was starting to embrace it. Now she does a conference every year. This is a woman who didn't believe in it. Who now I'm, I'm not hating on her in any way. I haven't talked to her in, in more than a decade, so I, I don't really know. I'm not. I, what they do and what I do are two entirely different things. They're they're out having fun, playing around. They're playing ufologists, and I'm actually being an abduction researcher. There's a difference. Yeah, no, they're playing ufologists. Okay, I asked you the same thing I asked every MUFON director I've ever talked to. What have you What have you contributed to society on the proof of the existence of extraterrestrials? Okay, we're set the clock. Setting the clock. Thirty years later, setting the clock. Nothing. They can't even tell you that extraterrestrials exist one hundred percent. The last time somebody asked them on a television show point blank they said well we we're pretty sure these are probably maybe aliens that's that was the answer you know maybe they've changed 
I know they have the star team now, which I really haven't heard any abductees have had pleasant experiences with. Well, they do things. There's rules to really do an abduction research, right? There's rules to it. And there's certain ways you should handle all of it. Eh, I've never met any of them that really know any of this stuff. You mean our people? They're not going to move on. They'd seem retired and go to move on. Everybody in the organization calls them MUFON. Yes, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Oh, you're talking about the Raelians. Um, do the Raelians know the end? Well, all I can tell you for sure is I know I don't even know if they exist anymore. I have, that's that's how far out of, out of research. I had, we had had one of our guys infiltrate the Raelians. Actually, I'm sorry. We had two guys and one woman. But the first one that infiltrated his name was Jason. And he actually kind of done it half in and half out of the organization. All I can tell you is they're just not what they say they are. I can't, I can't say any more than that. Just look them up, check them out. You know, they 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 have their beliefs and stuff. I mean, they they're who and what they are. I mean, I, I can't I can't really tell you what they are. Yeah. yeah, they believe in Yahweh, but they they believe they kind of like they feel that the aliens are coming back to to bless us all and, and change us. In other words, they kind of go along with revelations. Ooh, everything's going to get destroyed, but except for the contactees and they are the first ones besides the ICAR organization that's actually expressed the fact that there may be a disaster on this planet that only abductees and contactees survive. I don't think it's going to be delivered from what I, from the information I gather and from the one third of all our contactees that hit the Holocaust stream, it doesn't sound like it's on purpose. I just don't understand why these really advanced aliens can't stop it. Hmm. It's a question. Maybe it's interfering with our, well, think of it like this. What is it? Every 236 million years, we orbit the sun. I'm talking about our galaxy that orbits the sun. So, but, and you know, we don't just orbit in a circle like this. We go up and down and, and go around. So, you know, there's a great extinction on this planet about every 150, 200 million years, but every hundred million years or so. So maybe halfway through this trip, this planet goes through something that causes this. Maybe it's an asteroid belt of some kind. Maybe it's a radiation belt. Maybe it's a combination of both. But it does seem like fairly regular. I mean, five great extinctions in a billion years, guys, due to math. Uh, in a billion years since we had microbial life. I mean, we've only had, uh, okay, it depends who you want to believe, but we're going to take the short end 500 million years of life, 600 million years of life. Uh, we're going to take the short end. Other people say eight or nine million. Some people say it's longer than a billion, but most scientists agree that we climbed out of the primordial soup around a billion years ago. And uh, we've been making our way forward ever since. I don't know. I'm not part of that. Mm-hmm. And here we are after a billion years, uh, divided into 200 countries. Uh, 150 languages. I mean, God knows how many religions and gods. There has to come a point where we realize that this isn't the way. That we're not doing it right. There's something better than this. You mean what's the biggest secret I ever got from an inside organization? I can't tell you that. They'd come kill you, me, and everybody else. Well, they probably wouldn't kill me, but they'd kill all y'all for sure. I don't want to be responsible for that many people's death, Bernice. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't want to be the one who is responsible for all of that. Hmm. Yeah, we can do Q&A for a while. I mean, I wanted to get back to a couple things, but we, we, we got another hour after this. So, um, 
my favorite ufologist. Mm. Well, my favorite ufologist would have been Jim Mars. He's passed now, but he'd have been my favorite. Followed by Ted Phillips. Now, my favorite activist would have been Stephen Bissett. Yes, by far. Well, I'm in exopolitics, so it's Stephen Bissett, uh, Alfred Weber, and Michael Sala. They are the father, fathers of modern, modern exopolitics today. Even though all three of them kind of believe differently, they are the father of modern exopolitics today. I like Stephen. I, th- I thought Stephen used to put on the best conferences ever. I mean, he did a fantastic job. He's a, you know, I just, I don't know, he's a nice guy. I don't have anything negative to say about him. Um, well, what the government wants to know when they take, when they do MILABs, they're looking for, they're looking for information they don't have. Like, you know, what does the engines look like? Uh, do you have any knowledge of how they operate? Do you have any knowledge of how the ship navigates? Um, how does it operate in general? Are there wires? Are there not wires? Are there TV screens? I mean, what does it look like on the inside? You know, and the ships are different. I mean, the gray ships are far different than the humans and reptilians. Uh, really, the human and reptilians ships are not the same inside, but they look more alike. What I mean by that is they're, they're still flipping switch. There might not be any wires, so... Um, everything's wireless. All their power supplies, all their signals, everything is wireless. If yeah, what everybody says that it's all wireless, there's no wires, no, any of that going anywhere. It's not even like um, fiber optics. It's just nothing. And I don't know. It sounds wicked though. On the grays, it's it's all built into the, the alive ship. Well, you know, I wondered about that. You're talking about Babylon 5. Yeah, I wonder about that. I mean, you know, he might've got some of his ideas from this. There's a lot of sci-fi. Well, have you ever seen the series Taken, the ten hour, the ten ten set series Taken? A lot of what you see in there comes from ufologists. A lot of it, the way the greys move, that comes right right out of it. Uh, the fact that they'll defend the contactee, that's true. They will, and abductee, they will defend one. If it's one that's in their projects, they're running at the time, and you try to screw with them, militarily wise or anybody for that matter, they will to take care of them. And it can be negative consequences for the persons. Uh, that tried to get involved. I don't, you know, you mean the aliens themselves? Well, the Gray's technology seems to be leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of them. When I got in this field, they were, oh, the Gray's are subservient, the Gray's are this, the Gray's are that, they're little three-foot nothings, and they, they do all this. Okay, that's what I believed. I mean, that's what I was told by supposable big researches and stuff. And I remember I was like five years and two years in the radio. I called Jim Mars. I've only talked to him like once before. And I said, dude, let me talk to you about these grades. And he started laughing at me. And I'm like, and him and I got to talking for a while. And after I got off the phone with him, I went and talked to a couple of the ufologists because yes, there was a three foot gray, but there was also like a five foot gray, a six, seven foot gray and a nine foot gray. So when you got into all of this, you started realizing these grays ain't got nothing to do with the reptilians and humans. And since their heads are like freaking this big around, um, their mental abilities are much more powerful than the reptilians or the humans. So then we started pushing contactees and asking them, have you seen a gray human interaction or a gray reptilian action? And finally we started finding some that had. And they all basically said the same thing, that when there was a gray present, 
the reptilians and humans were subservient. They almost they almost put their head down like this, and you know just kind of went on their way and and just didn't really want to talk to them or anything. They were scared of them. Makes sense to me. Any any beings that can control a, a starship simply through will, I can only imagine what they could do to somebody's body or brain. Yeah, they didn't want to have anything to do with them. They were scared of them. But I imagine so. I mean, you know, here's a here's a reptilian. He's wait, you know, reptilian. Average male reptilian, seven foot tall, 500, maybe 600 pounds. Uh, he's, you know, built like we are in two arms, two hands, eyes, nose, mouth, feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they and we have a lot of their bad habits come to find out. Maybe it's because we have a reptilian section in our brain. But the human aliens are pretty much the same. They're six, seven foot tall, four to 600 pounds, you know. They have long hair like we do. Their only difference in face, I mean, head-wise, and they are, their heads are deeper than ours are by seven or eight inches. So if you're looking at them straight on like this, they don't look any different unless you see the way the hair falls down on the sides because it's different. But it, it, when you get up on the side of them, you'll notice their head's about, uh, let me see, there's mine. It's about that much further back than ours are. So all three, and a reptilian's head's about twice the size of ours. Just it's still kind of same shape as eyes, just a, and the reptilians come in a variety of reptiles. I mean, air, air breathing, water breathing, yeah, winged. I don't know about fire breathing. Maybe back in the old days they had some fire breathing. I don't know. I, I couldn't. I, I've never heard anybody describe that, but who knows? Well, we have fire breathing humans. You seen them guys put that? <laughs> yeah, it don't look like fun and fun to me. But these three races are the primary abductors. I mean, people talk about other races, but there's no proof for them. So, well, well, this race, and you're the only person that's ever seen them or heard them. Well, why has nobody else heard them? I mean, the greys and reptilians and humans, a lot of people. I mean, we're talking lots now. You know, 15% of the population probably. So that's a lot of people. Can't believe Alfred Weber said that on air, though. He goes, oh, 15%, that's 1.5 billion. I mean, that was 12 years ago, and I still get emails about that. I still get scientific journals that write to me and tell us why we're crazy. And then I write back to them. I don't even have to write back. And I've got a, um, the um, Australian scientific journal did like a five page thing on us. I was like, wow, five. I, I mean, I felt flattered, dude. I mean, five pages on me about science. I was like, yeah. What they didn't know is Josie Geek got a bachelor's in science <laughs> so i wrote him back and i said this is why you're wrong and this is how this would work and this is why this would work this way they published it right next to theirs i gotta give them credit they published it so you know that was they didn't have to they could have just buried it somewhere and said, oh well it drives crazy but they didn't they published it um i've been publishing in a few places and then well when i when i battle with people online or i shouldn't say online but when we battle about this stuff like with um uh, what's her name? Uh, Kathy Maldron. We got into it over uh, the Betting Bunny Hill case because I actually knew what happened. And she kind of just went along with the bullshit. And so we had a long discussion of why she was wrong. And I was right. And she rebutted it. And we went back and forth. The whole thing, the whole entire, just tells you how honest we actually are. The entire discussion, win, lose, or draw, is posted on the iCard website where anybody can see it. Anybody can see it. You can make your own conclusion. Did I win? Did she win? Did you know whoever else was involved win? It's um, go look at it for yourself. It was a good discussion. Everybody was 
respectful and uh, it was it's very long it was a lot of talk uh there was a lot of discussion i've interviewed kathy maldron probably 15 times i have nothing personally against the lady at all i just i have a different outlook on the betty and barney hill case a completely different one i think they were millabbed when they were in the u.s and abducted in canada so it changes the case yeah and i got a lot of information on i got the original hypnosis tapes I've listened to every 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 70, 69, 70s interview they ever did. It's, well, you know, I wanted to know. Because my problem is, and I'm sure people are going to do this with us 20 years, 50 years after I'm dead. I'm sure people are going to do this with us. They're going to go through and say, well, yeah, man, Joe up to here. Oh, but he got here. and Oh, what the hell is this? Um, that's fine. That's called research when you can forward something. In, in the Hills case, there was a lot of misgivings, a lot of things they just thought, you know, none of that was true. So we went through it step by step by step by step. And I and I said this, and I used to get in trouble for this all the time. I never thought Betty was a contactee. I thought it was only Barney. I thought Betty was just along for the ride. And, and the way she described it on the board of the ship and all that night and the way that the people picked up, picked her up and all, sounds like she was along for the ride. Because Barney was off having things done for him while she was sitting there reading a book. Sounds like the waiting room to me. But, you know, people got so mad at me. I was like, people, calm down. Uh, look, I can't help that's what she said. Don't get mad at me. So I invited her on and she said it again. I'm like, well, don't don't get mad at me anymore. And then a couple of people who were doing work for her wanted to come on the show and defend her and do this and do that. And I'm like, there's no defense. This is where it is. I said, if you want to come talk about it, you can. But this is where we are in this research. And a couple came by. Oh, and then there's. Michael Horn. Do you know who Billy Myers is? <laughs> I got so much trouble with Billy Myers. And all the reason I'm bringing all this up is this is all stuff the government's had access to for longer than I've been alive. Okay. Or close to longer than I've been alive in, in some cases. So, you know, I'm getting old now. Well, thank you. I won't say that on air, but thank you. I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, well, you too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I used to say them kind of things that air, but you know, I don't want to offend nobody or anything. Uh, we got to take a break real quick, and then we're going to be back, and we're going to get back on topic again to where we were. Um, well, because I really want people to get a feel of what the government actually has. So if you are a contactee or an abductee and you're listening tonight, I want you to know what to expect because the government only has limited information, and they're looking for sources anywhere they can get a source, whether it's abductee or contactee, a good researcher, things like that. Oh, Jim. I love Jim. Jim Jim was my man crush until Elon came along. Oh, yes. Because he was a brilliant researcher. So was Ted Phillips. I don't, I don't want to take anything away from Ted Phillips. These guys really did hardcore research in the field. They didn't take any bullshit, any guff. Uh, real quick before you... Okay, so I don't know if y'all know who Kevin Smith and Jerry Pippen is. Jerry Pippen is a long-time UFO. Both these gentlemen have passed. Um, Jerry Pittman was a longtime UFO researcher and, and Kevin Smith was a longtime host. Kevin Smith used to be a, a, a military policeman in, uh, well, he wasn't even military then. He was a policeman. I forgot where he was overseas. That's where he met his wife. But um, Kevin was a great host and a great researcher and a no, guff, no bullshit kind of host. Him and I hit it off great. And Jerry and I hit it off great. And we all did fun research together. Now, the only problem we ever had is the three of us, we did a political show a couple of times. Our politics were different. He, one was left, one was right, and I was in the middle. It made for a lot of fun. But anyway, 
yes, but you should look them up. They both got a lot of research credit. There's a lot of people they've talked to as well. Um, they're totally different styles of research. Um, I don't know if you still get Kevin stuff for free or not. You can try. I haven't really looked for Jerry's in a long time, but I have a lot of it myself already. Uh, I did a lot of appearances on the show. We did a lot of cross stuff. Um, where both shows were hooked in at the same time. I miss him. He was, he was, and he was, he wasn't that old when he passed, he had a heart attack. Um, I miss Jerry, but I mean, Jerry was older, but still, I miss them both. They were just a lot of fun to do research with. They were a lot of fun to talk to. They were a lot of fun to argue with. Uh, that's how close we were. We could argue with each other. But on that note, we're going to be right back. You got some lovely probing music coming up. Actually, this, this song was actually this one you're going to hear, just like the first one was written specifically for this show. Um, and here we go. Let me keep 
You're listening to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Welcome to UFO Undercover with your host, Joe Montaldo. I hate when that thing does that. <laughs> I hate when it does that. Anyway, welcome back, everyone, to you from the cover. I hope everyone's having a great evening. Oh, great morning, great afternoon. I never know who I'm talking to. I know we have a big audience in London, and what is it, 7 here? So it is um, 2 a.m. over there. So if y'all are up listening, thanks, guys. Uh, nice to have y'all up and about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, have a cup of coffee for me. I've actually been craving some cappuccino lately. I don't know what it is. I get these cravings for cappuccino. You know, my company was remodeling a coffee shop just a long, long time ago before Katrina, like 20 years ago. And I'm remodeling this coffee shop. It was one of my first big jobs. And this girl who worked there every day would make me these killer coffees. I mean, these things would kill. Good thing I was young. She's younger than I am now. She probably would kill me. Uh, this got me so hooked on this stuff. Oh my God. This, this, I almost had to marry this woman. It's like, God, you make the best coffee I've ever had. And she got me hooked on them. So now, though, I try, you know, not to drink them all the time. I don't want to be hyper out of my brain all the time, but uh, they are very good. This place is still actually open today. Uh, I mean, still in business today, so I can stop by and see them and, and get some coffee. Um, Frankie, you know, you know, do aliens drink coffee? I'd have to ask them personally. Hey, hey, Bob. Bob's sleeping back there, but uh, you can ask Bob. Maybe he says he likes some good coffee. Yeah, some good cappuccino. But anyway, getting back to what we were talking about. So getting a little more serious, the government is very limited to what it knows. And it's one of the reasons it uses other organizations, not just like us, but other organizations, Boeing, all these other organizations. Any place where they could try to track down or get hold to or be part of one of these cases or be part of an alien abduction or something else, um, they want to be part of this. The aliens don't want them to be part of it, neither do humans. So I tell this to people all the time. When you go public, when you go public, when you come out and you're saying, okay, hi, I'm Crystal, and I was abducted by an alien, and this is what they did to me. Now, no, if you just say these kind of things, it's nothing important. They're going to leave you alone and say, okay, uh, no big deal, you know, no foul, no gain. If you start talking about operations of craft, the way things look, designs of things, the way things move, types of aliens, things that are just not readily available unless you've been on board a craft, they're going to mill ab you. No ifs, ands, or buts. Now, if they mill ab you and don't cross the boundaries, whatever that happens to be, then you'll get your memory washed and you'll get put back. And that'll be that. Um, if the aliens feel like they're crossing a line or getting information that is not supposed to, they will come retrieve their contactee. And I hate to tell you, we've got dozens of these cases. And not everybody comes out of these okay. Um, that's something else they put in the, the series taken. Uh, not everybody comes out of these okay. Sometimes they just remove them and, and knock everybody out. And sometimes, well, guess what? Sometimes people don't come back at all. I'm not talking about the contactee either. So, no, Sarah Lane. Okay, Sarah Lane, how are you doing tonight? It's the government needs to find out, but the government's limited. Um, they can get X amount of mill abs, but a lot of times the mill abs they got can't give them the information they're looking for. 
They can't really keep any aliens. Even if they got an alien, it's going to come retrieve them. Well, that's what used to crack me up about Roswell. Well, we've got, we've got the aliens. And I said, I'm thinking to myself, you've got a gray because the other grays were supposed to be dead. So I said, you've got a live gray and they haven't come and gotten him yet. And obviously they know the ship's crashed. So why wouldn't they come get him? I say him. It could be she. It could be it. Gray's, Gray's people say when they're in their head, they have a male or female feel about them, but they don't look like that. When, you, when we look at them, they all look the same. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it is a racist thing, but they all do look the same according to the contactees. You know, they look like Thor. No, not really. You mean the eye pieces? Yeah, that's not eyes. The big black, that's not eyes. It's a piece that fits in there. Yeah, there's a socket and there's a pieces that fit in there. They have, um, obviously, they don't like the light on our planet, but they have a lot more things in them. They, they can sense all kind of lighting. Yeah, they're used for a lot of different things, but that's what they are. They're an eyepiece, just like a a ball, like we like a sock or something we'd wear in the military. You know, one of the eyepieces we wear in the military. It's basically the same thing, just way, way, way more advanced. Yeah, they just weigh them on both eyes. And it probably has something to do with lighting here. Well, no, because people always think that. Okay. Maybe move on abductions, the majority of them happen at night. But I, I don't, a lot of the cases we find, they happen in the afternoons, they happen in the mornings. They, they happen when you least expect them. They happen when you're doing something mundane, something you're not going to think about because they like to loop your memory. So if you're doing something that you're just oh, mopping the floor, mopping the floor, and you know, you're mopping the floor like you do every other day. I'm mopping the floor. They take you. When they put you back, they give you the same memory of I was mopping the floor. But you're not going to challenge it because you do it all the time. Yes. So a lot of times you don't even know you've been taken. Most of the time you don't know you've been taken, to be honest with you. They only let the people remember who have shown something uh, like uh, some kind of interest in what's going on. Some, something where they might want to work with them or be part of them or be part of what they're doing. So what happens is people in the old days used to call these cover memories. These aren't cover memories. They're trigger memories. Yeah, see, ICAR rewrote a lot of stuff because we had more time to do research. A lot of these terms were first done by organizations that are long defunct and dead. And here we are 24 years old and still going at it. So the the thing about it is, is, is this is stuff like people would say, I seen a deer standing in the road, just standing there. Or I walked out of my, my door and there was a big owl, five foot tall, standing in a tree limb. Or I seen a UFO or I seen something peeking in my window. As long as it wasn't a pervert. Um, well, you never know these days, but these are, these are trigger memories. So, and I've said this a hundred million times, I'm going to say it again. The majority of people on this planet will never see a UFO, a true flying saucer, or any kind of alien craft, unless it decides to come land on top of the, some White House or some some other place on some other, you know, Beijing or somewhere like that, Moscow. Uh, no one's going to ever believe it. Now, if they start landing in major cities all around the U.S., we might think differently, and then everybody will get to see them. But right now, the only people that see them are people that are being taken, and those are, are trigger memories. So either before they take you or after they take you, they let you see the craft. And they let you see it for a few minutes. 
And that way it's in your memory. So your memory is going to start processing this. Well, well, you know, the more you think about this craft, the more you wonder what was going on today. Then the next thing you know, oh, there was something quirky with the time or something feels out of place. And, and then you start having these memories when you sleep at night about something that happened before or after that sighting. That's, that's what they are. They're trigger memories. They're not cover memories. Cover memories are something that they, you, you would use so people wouldn't think about them. Like when I was talking about something mundane. You know, that's the best way to do a cover memory is, is use a memory that's already in your head, something that you would normally use on a good basis. I, I, you know, something that's just always there, something maybe it's washing a, washing a car or something you do a lot. Maybe you have to drive a certain drive to work every day. It's just something you're not going to question. You know, you're going to wake up and you're going to come out of whatever days of fog you're in. You're going to be. Oh, 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 yeah, that's right. That's what I was doing. And you go right back to doing or thinking whatever you were thinking about. That's a complete, that's a cover memory. But waking memories are, and I shouldn't say waking memories, but trigger memories are something entirely different. Trigger memories are something that makes you think, not something that makes you not think. Cover memories make you not think about whatever happened to you. Trigger memories make you think about what may have happened. And for a long time, they had these two screwed up backwards. And I was like, well, I used to get in arguments with ufologists all the time. I'm like, people. I said, first off, I'm not a ufologist of abduction research. And I said, secondly, what the hell are you saying here? This is just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I know sometimes I can be kind of harsh, but but that's the problem. They were trigger memories, not cover memories. I mean, a trigger memory, if you've seen a UFO, you've been taken. I don't care who you are. You could be Uncle Joe Biden. If he stepped outside and seen that UFO, like when Jimmy Carter said, oh, I seen that UFO, they were just putting Jimmy Carter back. They never thought he was going to be president, but he's a peanut farmer. <laughs> they were like, how do you know they were going to be president? Um, He's not the only president to see UFOs. Ronald Reagan seen UFOs. Uh, there's been a couple of presidents that have seen UFOs. So uh, that means they've been taken. We, you know, we talk about this all the time, but there's no life status that they don't take from. You could be the bum on the street, the guy in the prison, the guy running the world. It doesn't matter to them. Whatever you are in their program, you're part of that program. From whatever they started, you know, abduction, your great, 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 hundred time missing children, grandchildren parents uh to today and the bad part is it might even be the same gray who took your grandparent 100 times removed and it's taking you today it still could be the same one yeah their lifespans are huge plus they can just um well just upload to a new body so yes that's what i'm saying you could actually have the same one these grays could possibly know more about your family than you could ever even find out yeah, because, you know, keep record keeping back in the day. I've been doing a lot of ancestry stuff lately for somebody else. And uh, record keeping wasn't the best thing. I can trace my own family back uh, 14, 1500 years. Yeah, people, it, it's, it's who? Why? I ain't marrying you, that's for sure. <laughs> You're just scary looking. Oh, my God. Your daddy must have slapped you a lot when you was a baby. <laughs> Just, just, oh, sorry, ladies. You know, somebody just posted this this picture of this alien woman thing in the in the messenger board. It's scary looking. Yes, no, but I mean, being serious, there's there's so much of this that we know nothing about, and so much of government. Don't, think about it. You know, the government changes hands all the time, and so it's always moving stuff around, and people are always being tossed to the curb, and people are going back, and and the government likes to keep everything compartmentalized. So chunks and bits go missing. Look at the Apollo program. We lost half of the film. For, we finally found it again. We, we lost half the film for the Apollo missions. 
Oh, please. You know what? Next week, next week, I'm going to do a show on a freaking. Yes, I will do a show on why we why it was not faked. Oh, y'all in this faked move, Andy. No, here, I got a question for you before we go into the next thing we're going to talk about. I want you to answer this question. So we faked the moon landing. Why did the Russians, the Chinese, and the Koreans and the Vietnamese take up for us? Why did they keep it a secret? Because they could see it. So why did they keep it a secret? Tell me why. And then we can discuss maybe about the moon landing. And one other thing. There was 200, wait, no, I'm sorry. 160,000 people across 60 countries tracking this for NASA. And all of them kept a secret that we didn't land on the moon. Good luck with that one. Anyway, guys, and I, I just I like to wake people up when they're in a day sometimes. Because it's not even about the tech. Sometimes it's just about the people. Some secrets just can't be kept, and some secrets can be kept. I don't know. Uh, you can say whoever you wanted to kill Kennedy. I'm sure you ever watched the series Timeless. Maybe that's who killed Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't resist. No, that's it's series is over. It's only lasted two years. No, we can't go there either. Can't go there either. So anyway, getting back to the trigger memory thing. So let's just say Elaine is walking down the street. Then she you know she minds her own business. Maybe she's got her dog with her. Maybe she's got a cat. Maybe she got her kid with her. And she looks up to the left and she sees this crazy ass UFO. Now, you know, it's 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, and they're doing whatever. And then all of a sudden, she's walking back home, and she kind of sees this UFO again. She's like, well, I look like I've seen it again. And she's walking back home with her son and her dog. When she noticed it's 6 p.m., and it's dark outside. She's like, but we left at 4.30. So that's an hour and a half walk to the corner and back. Those kind of things sometimes are a little bit of a tip-off. What the hell just happened? You know, where did I go for an hour and a half? And you ask your kid where we go. We just walk down the corner and back, Mom. And the kid's looking at Mom like she's stupid or something, even though it's dark outside. Now, these little things happen all the time because E.T., some of the nuances E.T. hasn't quite worked out yet. They've gotten a lot better than, I can tell you this, when I got in this field and to today, they've changed stuff because of the way researchers do research. Um, that's why missing time's all but going away. Oh, yeah, and we wouldn't even known it, but we stumbled across it, and that's another thing. We're the ones who brought gain time out. There's so many things this organization has first for. Uh, you mean, we'll never get credit for it. It doesn't really matter. All it matters is it gets out to the people who need it. That's all that really matters. Yeah, it's not that important. I like to bitch about it just because I like to bitch about it, but it's uh, it doesn't really matter in the long run. Because as long as we're reaching the people we need to reach, Oh, you mean an organization that was doing home? I, I take them on in a heartbeat. I've taken on many organizations over the years that I thought were doing harm. Oh, hell yeah. Like the ones that tell me that alien abductions are demonic possessions. I take their asses on all the time. Yeah, I'm going to show what a demonic depression is. Bring your ass down to New Orleans. I'll show you what it is to get demonic on your ass. I'm serious, man. Some people are just retards. That's as nicely as I can say it. I always ask the first question out of my mouth. I always the same thing. What is he? What is it? <laughs> I just want to know what the demons doing the, the spaceship. And then I've always been taught that demons are landlocked. Well, planet locked. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say landlocked. Well, the religions say they're landlocked, planet locked. They can't leave Earth. They're stuck here. That's the whole point of throwing a planet down and flame. They all die. See, we're going to be leaving the planet sooner or later. So they're going to be stuck here. And uh, and people say, oh, well, they can jump on this, jump on that. But maybe they can. 
But as soon as they get off out the reach of the planet, they die. Yeah, it must be something on Earth that sustains them. I don't know. And that's for a whole nother show. <laughs> that's for a whole nother show. I've said this a hundred times or a hundred thousand times. You know, I don't care what God you believe in or what God you don't believe in. Whatever you believe that makes you feel as snug as a bug in a rug, that's what you should believe. It makes you comfortable. It makes you feel surrounded like your arms you're wrapped around in, in love and happiness. Then that's what you should believe. Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's not right or wrong. It's, as long as you're not hurting anybody and you're happy, what's, what does it matter? Well, you mean me personally? I've said this a lot. I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. So it's a, it's a different kind of thing. And I've looked at spirituality from a lot of different, a lot of different worlds. Well, you know, Confucianism, Buddhism. I've looked at some of the Chinese, some of the Japanese. It's just, well, some South Americans. It's just, you know, spirituality presents itself different than religion. Spirituality doesn't expect anything in return. But spirituality, where religion respect wants something, like usually something out of your wallet. I got, you know, when I was a when I was in Catholic school, I got slapped in the mouth for asking what does God need money for? Oh yeah, I got popped hard too. And you would think I would have learned my lesson from that. Two weeks later, I asked uh, who where'd God come from and I got popped again. Not the best way to convince people in your religion. So for me, it's more about spirituality. And and you mean the aliens? I would think they survived this long and been around this long. I would think it's probably the same for them. Well, I know reptilian people who have been taken by reptilians talk about this great library. The reptilians have different libraries. And they say they're very spiritual people. They believe in a single spiritual soul. I don't forgot what they called it, but Yes, they believe in one thing. I know, huh? The whole bunch of them. One world, one religion. If it's a religion, I don't even call it that. I don't know. You'd have to ask them. Because some of us realize that you don't have to get with a group of people, bow, sit, stand, or whatever it may be, uh, to save your soul or have your soul in the right place. Sometimes it's for me. If I can, I can sit somewhere, maybe some nice music, or maybe not just a nice sunset or sunrise somewhere, a nice breeze, uh, but a nice location that's uh, over an ocean, over a mountain, things like that. I, I can generally get my brain where it needs to be. Now, not when I can run them like I've been lately. Now it's different. Fortunately for me, some days I can just ride down Highway 90 and. It's, 40 miles of beach view. Yes. Catch it at sunset. You can ride the whole thing. Or sunrise. It's really beautiful. Anything that'll calm the soul? Uh, Harold, all I can tell you is if you really think you're being taken, uh, send me a letter to icarcox.net and uh, in detail or go to icar1 at cox.com and fill out one of the forms. It may not be me that answers you back, though. No, I'm not the only one that answers those. Directors and researchers tend to pick people who are near the projects they're working on. You have to remember, ICOR has what we call abduction criteria. We expect 
the overall majority of people who are being taken to fit into certain categories. I know we shouldn't do it, but we do. Uh, we figure if aliens are picking up people all the time and are doing certain things, they must be picking up in groups and doing different things with different people or maybe doing different things as time progresses. So that's the kind of stuff that we follow to see how they change according to us, uh, what, the, what they're doing to people, what kind of experiments they're doing. Uh, why did they feel like from puberty to age 28, they need to do all this, how can I say this? Uh, well, shitty stuff to humans. I was going to use a more polite word, but that'll work. Yeah, I don't like to curse all the time. I've been a lot tonight, but I, don't, I usually don't like to. Eh, so there's a lack of education when you got to curse all the time. <laughs> That's right. My IQ is 50. That's right. I am actually a member of Minta. No, that's not true. I'm a, um, oh, I forgot what they call it now, but I'd have to look it up. Mm -hmm. I took the test in high school. I took it with the ADSVAD test for the Navy like a dumbass and uh, scored so high on the Navy test. I had forgot about it. And uh, we had gone out one night when the Navy asked me, you want to join, take this test. It had miserable scores. I mean, I was drunk, hungover. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I was like 17. Yeah. <laughs> the guy says, well, I don't understand. I'm looking at your, your test. He said, you almost aced this test. You got eight, a 98. He said, you need to take this over. I was like, what do you mean? He said, are you just trying not to go? I was like, I don't. Then he told me what's going on. I said, well, yeah. Okay, hold on. Then I took two days and came back and took the test. And I scored a 97.5. That's in the uh, well, it's in the top 2% of scores in the Navy. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't dumb. I had a high IQ, 169. That overall IQ of 169. I was gifted in math and science. <laughs> Not so much in English, <laughs> you ass. Uh, yeah, what's well, called Jojo Ease. If anybody knows me and likes to read text with me, it's called Jojo Ease. Everybody learns how to read my text after a while. The whole network had to learn. Shit, you have all my customers do, all my friends do. Well, because unfortunately for y'all, my fingers work faster than my, I mean, my brain works faster than my fingers. Uh, especially when I'm on a phone. It's like, chick -chick -chick -chick. <laughs> you mean, do I think, okay, Joe Biden doesn't know anything about it. So um, generally the way this works is for most part, it's been Republican presidents who have found out uh, and they've only found that limited amount of information. So I don't know why or what it is. So let's backtrack. Biden didn't know. Okay. Trump wishes he knew. He tried to find out. Obama, even though he was an eight-year president, he didn't know. Um, George W. Bush Jr. Okay. He was told about him because they were over there in Baghdad looking for something like they did when his daddy was there, but nobody knows what. But he really didn't have any play in what was going on. Uh, no, he didn't. And then we go back to Clinton. Clinton and his wife, Hillary, spent tons of money and, and called all kind of people in the Rockefeller, all kind of people trying to find out. They were told they didn't need to know. Actually, he wanted to go visit Area 51. He was told he didn't need to know. So he didn't get to go. Um, Daddy Bush. Daddy Bush knew. Daddy Bush was the head of CIA, vice president for eight years and president for four years. He knew. And I'm pretty sure Ronald Reagan knew because Ronald Reagan kept making references to aliens. He made a reference seven times to extraterrestrials. And on top of that, he instituted Pine Gap, which is the defense, joint defense, joint British defense of outer space. He instituted the heart facility, which is shooting lasers in the space all the time. He instituted Star Wars. 
Yeah, he he thought something was coming to get us, man. He wasn't playing around. He was going to set up a scissor. Uh, yeah, this man he had he had some kind of vision of some massive laser system in his head from three different areas of the world uh, that could shoot down aliens. I guess I don't know what it was, but he went out in several speeches and said, "What would it take to unite us? Or what what would, would, would unite us if we all had to go out and kill the aliens?" Well, that's not quite how he said it, but it's <laughs> don't start, man. Mm. What do you mean, sexiest alien I've ever met? What the hell is that supposed to be? Uh, do aliens fit into sexiness? I, I don't know. I, we'll just leave that. You'd have to ask another alien, friend. <laughs> I'm just telling you. Regardless of what I've seen or haven't seen. Um, yeah, I wouldn't know. Oh, Hillary Clinton is an alien. I, I, you're not probably far off. Uh, well, real quick, and we're going to move on. Um, when I was a kid, I was a liberal. Mm-hmm. Yes. And when I say kid, yes, in the Navy and all. I uh, got out of the Navy, became a conservative. I was like, mm, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Uh-huh. Somewhere around 30, I said, these two parties are, mm, I ain't going to use the language, and became uh, an independent. And I said, you know, independent sucks. They don't ever argue about anything. Uh, that's when I became a centrist, a centralist. Yes, because I am a centralist. I, I, I vote by my conscience and nothing else, my conscience and research. I, I, I vote, I do my research and then I vote by my, my conscience. That's just how I am. And then I vote for stuff that I think is going to change what we need to change in the right way. Uh, oh, yeah, I voted for Obama first term. Yeah, I didn't vote for him second term. No, 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 no. No. I voted for Bush once too. I voted for Clinton both times. I voted for Reagan both times. I voted for Bush the first time. As you can see, I vote Republican and Democrat. Doesn't matter. I don't care what party they are. I just care what they're doing. And for some reason, that's something that our country's lost. You need to remember it's always vote for the right person, not the right party. Yeah, I think y'all forgot a bunch of that. We talk about it a lot on the other show a lot, but a lot of people have forgotten that. Well, I don't think there is a parties in the alien races. They don't even look like they're set up like we are. I'm not even sure if they understand what a democracy is in the way we do. No. When they talk about the grays, they talk about like a hive system. And it's a weird hive system. It seems to be based on heights. So you get the three-foot grays who do a lot of the manual labor, and they also have something that works for them, which is uh, um, it's a three-foot gray, but it's a cyborg gray. It's half, half human or half gray, half computer and the other grades can control it while they're working there's a five six foot gray who's more like a manager type you know picks up the contactees puts them back make sure this is done that's done make sure the grades are doing what they're supposed to then there's a six there's a seven foot which are really consorts to the queen uh they're the males the uh they're just the males consorts to the queens is what they are and then a queen somewhere around nine foot tall yeah, so it's 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 a beehive system based on height. It's very strange. Um, it, what's weird about the grays, though, their heads seem to be consistent as they go through the he- heights. Um, just their body, their arms get longer, their legs get longer, their bodies get longer. Yeah, and the one kind of looks like a manis, even though he's a he's a gray. And they come in at least three colors we know of: the cobalt blue or the electric crazy blue. So. This is one way we know when a contact is lying to us. Grays are not actually gray in the way you think of gray. When you see a gray on TV, he's gray. That's not what they look like. 
So a gray, because they, they depended on what they're feeding on at the time because they absorbed their skin, food through their skin through like an osmosis. Uh, they like to eat this blue plasma that the ship makes, which is, by the way, a fuel for the ship and food for the grays. Uh, so they absorb it. When they do, they get this this brilliant – it's a blue we don't have on this planet. All the contactees have seen it says the same thing. It's a blue that you haven't seen on this planet. It's also a blue – it's also stuff they immerse the contactees in. The contactees come out – say they come out feeling rejuvenated. They can breathe when they're in it, completely immersed. They can breathe and – when they come out, they feel rejuvenated, and, they, and the grays seem to use it for food. And like I said, the ships use it as fuel, and it self-generates, self-grows. It grows on board the ship itself. Whatever this is, is way advanced, more than anything we've got. Uh, but anyway, getting I got off track there. So when the grays absorb it, they become this blue. But as it fades, the color kind of fades. It gets to like a darker blue, then a weird blue, then a teal blue. And then they become like a translucent, grayish, whitish color. Uh, and that's what they look like when they have feet. But there's also a white uh, one that the more he eats, the brighter white he gets, the less he eats. And, and then there's a, a dark brown one. So uh, there's three different colors. And what's weird is that you can't tell if there's like any interbreeding between the colors. Because I, I haven't heard anybody say a swirl or a checkered or anything. I'm just kidding. But you haven't really heard anybody say that. So, I'm, you know, is is the blue one kind of bluish white or what what is that so it seems like it, there's a height system and it's a colored system when you get back to the 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 reptilians are a caste system uh they're they're broke up into different caste they sound like a lot like a humans out of all three species that have ducked us we're the closest to the reptilians i mean in the way we act uh the way we look at things the way we're just closer to them we act way more like them than we do the other races. Um, well, they show their emotions more. They're they're more you know apt to do something stupid, uh, for lack of a better way to say it. The human aliens can be harsh, and the human aliens are very picky about who who what humans they associate with. So, for the most part, human aliens don't like humans at all. They like we're like their trash, distant cousins that they don't ever want to see. But occasionally, one or two of them, they find that they really, really like. And they, you know, bring them on board and they give them everything and they help them out and stuff. But it's very few and far between when it comes to those aliens. The reptilians, on the other hand, just seem... Because for the reptilians, we're family. And they, by the way, the reptilians are the ones who transmit their... Uh, so through their DNA, they put their all of their knowledge. So the grandfather, great-grandfather, all, all the way down... When you're born, you have all that knowledge in your head. You, I'm sure there's some kind of way that works through, but uh, you have all that knowledge. So what's weird about that is sometimes contactees have these dreams about these battles or this lover or whatever, and they wake up and they realize because it feels really real to them. But when they wake up, it's just them. But, you know, sometimes when they get taken by the reptilian again, they'll ask and the reptilian will juggle or laugh. He said, oh, yeah, that was, you know, such and such great grandpa 500 years ago or something doing something like that. Uh, because it is genetic memory for them. It, it bleeds through to the humans. Our brains are not really designed for that. So I'm sure it's a lot harder on humans to deal with it. But uh, And it seems to be very limited amongst humans, but amongst the reptilians, it's just the way they work. The greys, the greys are supposedly, the greys were supposedly enhanced by the light beams a long, 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 long time ago. They said the light beings came here a billion years ago or more and found this galaxy in, in turmoil and just 
warring all over the place. Everybody was at war with everybody else. And um, when they got here, that's what they found. They were from a different galaxy, very advanced, more advanced than anything here. So they basically took the Greys and, and augmented them in such a way, uh, technologically and mentally, that they could actually bring this to an end. And from what they said over the next, I think, two or three hundred million years, that's what they did. Uh, brought the galaxy to peace. That's the way they say it is today. It's basically a peaceful galaxy now. I don't know. I'm not out in space. I don't know. So what happens when I get out of space? I said, I want that planet right now. Nobody lives on it. Somebody going to get pissed off at me? Am I going to get like a bill from the Galactic Council saying, oh, that planet cost? I'll be going like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm just wondering about these things. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, they don't invite him to dinner. You take his guy. No. Um, would you invite the alien to dinner? That's a good question. Would you? If you knew that reptilian great, I mean, I don't even have any chairs that reptilians could sit on. They would crush all my chairs. I'd have to be like, dude, let me go get a steel can from downstairs or something. Yeah, I would invite him to dinner. Why not? Unless they're going to eat you. I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. They say humans are too high in cholesterol to eat. No, I'm not. <laughs> you think I'm kidding you. So on a joke, you know, iCard does this thing. So when we need an answer to something or something we can't seem to find readily, We'll, find, we'll take 50 of our contactees that don't know each other. You know, we, we got to make sure nobody knows each other, and we'll, and we'll send them all this question. And what they do is from the time they get the question until the time they're taken, all they think about is this question. So since all three races, races are telepathic, what happens a lot of times when they're taken, especially if it's been a couple of days, that, that thing we've been programmed with pops out and gets into their head. Well, the grays instantly answer. They, they answer without even thinking about it because that's who they are. They just answer. There can be consequences from this. We found that you, they can, the contactee can be punished for this. But for the most part, they're more like proud parents. Oh, did you see that? Oh, yeah, she popped that in my head and I popped it right back and she got that answer right out of my head. Because, um, you know, contactees get downloads and stuff. That's a whole another show in itself, too. But so, you know, the contactee gets, gets this. Oh, sorry. Something bit me while I was talking to y'all. Well, the reptilians are the same way and the, and the humans are the same way. They, when a contactee pops in, when they take a contactee and they start to come consciousness and they realize where they are, they start thinking. And that's the question that comes out, the question we program with. Well, maybe anything. That's how we found out what the blue plasma was. We kept having these contactees telling us about this blue plasma being immersed in, being immersed in this blue plasma. We were like, what the, is this? We actually took 100 contactees over a, a one-month period of time and programmed them all. Program's a bad word. We, we just send them the question and they program themselves, really. But um, they just keep repeating it because you never know when you're going to be taking. You might be in the daytime. You might be vacuuming. You might be fixing a car. You might be doing whatever when they snatch your ass. And when you see them the first time, you want that to be the first question because it's going to pop out of your head into their head and whatever the answer is going to pop right back in your head because, again, all three races are telepathic and sometimes it's just the way it works. Somebody asks a question, they answer the question. You have to remember, they don't, they don't need to hide you know, with humans, we can't be telepathic right now because we have too much we're hiding from everybody else about ourselves, about other things. So, but with them, it's not. You know, they just answer a question. It's it's a big hive group. Somebody asks a question, it gets answered. So it happens with humans sometimes. I just like I said sometimes it, it can be the wrong question, and there can be a punishment for the question. 
oh man, it can be crucial. It's usually not. It's usually more mental than it is physical, but it can it can be it can be bad. I ain't gonna lie, it can be bad. But um, they just plant something that's just horrible beyond what humans have experienced before. You have to remember they've experienced stuff that we have don't even can't even think of. We don't even know it exists yet. Uh, there's not even a realm to put a face on it because we don't even know what it is. Uh, so stuff like that, and, and, and I'm sure they could use other things. And remember, they know your deepest fears already. So they can simply use that. They can just and put that into your head. I don't believe in extraterrestrials. Now, let me, let me explain to you. So I've been in the field for a long time. You either know they exist or you don't. There is no belief here. This isn't a religion. And I tell this people, don't rush to believe. You don't have to believe. There is enough research out there and there's enough evidence to prove the existence of extraterrestrials visiting this planet for a very long time. I tell people all the time, start in the old times. You know what? Uh, old China, old Russia, old Europe, um, old, old Middle East. Start, you know, when we're talking like 500, anywhere from 500 years back, any of those places I just mentioned were Mecca for UFOs. And you'll find that in their artwork all over the place. Oh, yeah. No, no, you'll find it in Chinese artwork. Oh, yeah, my friend. Uh, you'll find it in European artwork. You'll find it in Russian artwork. You'll find it in Middle Eastern artwork. You'll hear stories from all of these countries about things that visited them flying in the sky. Okay, remember, when was the last, first balloon invented? 1787 or something like that. Anyway, somewhere around 1800 was the first time we could fly. And that was with a balloon. That was with a hot, ass, hot gas balloon. Hot air balloon, sorry. That was the first time we could fly. Anything flying in the sky before that, you have to go, what is going on here? Okay. The Middle Easterns used to talk about shit flying all the time. So did the Europeans. There's a whole big article done on London in, I think it's 1506, where these things just came flying through the town. The mayor was outside. There was two artists out there that actually happened to draw this because uh, or paint this because they were actually outside when it happened. Um, you know, it's just weird stuff happens, weird things are going on and nobody can explain them. So you start seeing things flying around the sky way back when, and you have to take notice to it. You know, the Romans talk about it. The Greeks talk about it. The Mayans talk about it. The Aztecs talk about it. They talk about things that could fly. People who came from the heavens, uh, things that came down. The, the, not only do the Egyptians talk about it, but it's like first 10 emperors you know, pharaohs kind of looked like the aliens with the long head, head, gated head. They said that was the disease. Coincidentally, that's what the alien's head looked like. And they were tall and linky and weird looking. Um, like they didn't belong on this planet. And, but of course, that's some kind of disease. But it's just kind of weird that that's where those aliens happened to have been at that time. You know, that was this cradle of existence then. You had the Sumerians and the Egyptians. And that was a cradle civilization. As far as we knew it was, uh, Bruce, it's actually older than that now. Um, I don't know if they found any written languages in the cities they found off the coast of India, but the two cities they found that date back to 12,500 years. Uh, the end of the Ice Age is when these things okay, were around. Uh, both cities housed around 250,000 people. They had uh, modern, or well, I don't want to say modern, but they had running water to pull off the sewage and stuff. You know, it ran through the city, uh, making sure the sewage ran off to another spot. They actually had running water coming into the city. So uh, they had aquifers. It's, it was it was way before the Romans, way before the Greeks, way before the Egyptians. Uh, 
And India boasts about being a very advanced civilization way back in the day. So, you know, we want to put mankind, I'm sorry, religion wants to put mankind at 6,000 years. That's when we became man. That's when we became what we are. But now there's evidence that it's much older than that. Even recently, they found some stuff in South America that puts um, the Indians there earlier, puts the Indians there at 12,000 years, actually. Puts them there earlier than they thought they were. And it looked like different. there was different people who took different routes. Because we know that uh, South America and Central America is 98% of, of blood, which is very uncommon, yeah. So it looks like you had different indigenous species coming from different places. Well, I mean, the land bridge is still the best theory, but it's okay. Remember, there was Pangaea. Now, we don't know for sure that there wasn't people living in the section of Pangaea when it broke off and became South America. We don't know there wasn't anybody there. There's no way for us to prove that. We assume that man and animal got here across the bridge. But then that doesn't explain the other animals that were here prior to the bridge. Well, yeah, they, well, you know, there's all kind of dinosaurs, but there's all kind of other stuff that predate the 12,000-year-old bridge, the 12 to 15,000-year-old bridge, the so stuff that predates it. So if that's true, they didn't come over the bridge. They were already here. I don't know. Woolly Man was 50,000 years ago. That's way before the bridge. Uh, that's the point I'm saying. I mean, the land bridge, and this was recent. This is in recent times. This was only ten to 15,000 years ago. That's when the land bridge was here. And that's when we supposedly, everything on this continent today, and when I say this continent, I'm talking about the, US, the North American, South American, Central American continents, came from there. But somehow or another, the Mesoamericans are much different than the Native Americans. I mean, it's like two different cultures. They don't even believe in the same things. The Mesoamericans were, woo, mean, vicious, rip your heart out, throw you down. Thing. Native Americans were not like that. There was one or two that were like that, but the majority of them were not like that. Native Americans lived in teepees and huts. These people lived in massive cities and shit. I mean, this was, these were entirely different people. We can try to point it off and say they were, but now that we know that the Mesoamericans lived in Central and, and uh, South America were oh, almost all O blood. So they were definitely a different species, but we don't want to talk about that because that doesn't fit into evolution like most shit doesn't fit into evolution. Excuse my French. Um, oh, man. Okay, Marcus. What is evolution? Is it a proven or is it a theory? It's a theory. It has not been proven. No. It's still a theory. It's a good theory for a lot of stuff. Not necessarily the best theory for man, but a good theory for a lot of stuff. I don't fight evolution because I can see natural progression like in dolphins and other things. I can see this progression from 250 million years or 150 million years ago to today. I can actually see that stuff. But um, in man, no. Man just like popped out of nowhere two million years ago. And, hey, look what's here, man. Look, look, hey, look at us. It's just... Okay, we came from apes. Well, are you RH negative or RH positive? Because if you're RH negative, you didn't come from apes. You don't even share any common ancestry. Your genes don't have any common ancestry with an ape. RH positive do. They have a 2% with the Reese's monkey. RH negative does not. Yeah, what's that about? An RH negative just popped on the scene 45,000 years ago out of the blue. Not a scientist today, not a hematologist alive today can tell you 
why it showed up it's a baby killer people rh negative is a baby killer yeah it's still born babies born all over after rh negative showed up and guess what it's still it's up to 15 percent of our population now not bad for just 30 or forty thousand years man it's growing fast it's a different blood it has different properties it does different things personality seem to even be different um rh negative o negative is a universal donor it's also the purest form of blood known to man and that's where we get all of our hemological research from why is that and why did it i mean what the hell so before rh negative we were brown-eyed brown-haired brown-skinned we was a boring ass of species and then boom it's like a burst of starburst in your mouth or something uh, bam, we had green eyes, we had blue eyes, we had all kind of mixed eyes, we had RH negative blood, the world changed. And then we found out that RH was a universal donor and we could save millions and millions of lives and not have to stock tons and tons of different types of blood types in a hospital. I know, huh? Yeah, they always want to pay me for my blood, it cracks me up. They pay anybody for plasma, but they, they actually pay extra if you're O negative. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, what can you do? Oh, I don't know, Janine, but it's freaky weird. But nature would not have created something like this. This would have been to slow the population, not to expand the population. I mean, in the early days, you had to get blood tested and see if you were positive or negative. Because if you weren't, you couldn't have children. And then a few years after that, about a decade after that, maybe two decades after that, there was a um, shot invented uh, where you get the shot and then you can get pregnant. Yes, even if it's your opposite. Yeah, so uh, life changed. But why would Mother Nature create something that was just anti-human race? Mm, I know. And the greys didn't show up till later on. So, you know, it wasn't the reptilians or the humans. Maybe it was the greys donated it to us. Maybe it's their blood type. I have no idea. People ask me all the time, well, I don't know why we don't see alien DNA in this. I said, well, because our DNA is already alien. <laughs> Think about what you just said. If you share genes with the reptilians and the humans and the greys, you're not going to find any alien DNA because it's already heaven. What's weird about this is there's lots of stories about this. What time? Okay, we got a few minutes. So the Sumerians write, there's a story the Sumerians write about these two great white dome cities. These people from the heavens came down and built two great white dome cities, but they never left the cities. And when they did, they had these weird things on their face. Obviously, they couldn't breathe oxygen on this planet. They were from somewhere else. That race created another race just like their cells, except for they could go outside and breathe the atmosphere. They they redesigned their cells and did. These guys were supposed to colonize and terraform and do whatever, you know, take all the minerals out of the ground. That was their job. For some reason, and nobody knows because we weren't there, they decided that they were omnipotent super beings. Why in the hell were they doing this? Why not create another human, a subspecies of human to do this. And that's what they did. The Sumerians call it the seven creations of man with the last one looking like us. It's not exactly us, but it looked a lot like us. Maybe a little chunky, a little stockier, but um, they had their intelligence. They could plow the fields. They could procreate. They could make beer. They could, make, they could cook their food. They could hunt. But they never asked why they had to do anything. They were subservient and it was built into them to be subservient. They didn't have that, what we have today, the humans have today. are like, wait, what you want, you want me to do what? Excuse me? Do you Wait, wait, say that again? You want me to do what? No, 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 you're talking to the wrong person. We didn't have that. That was later on. So the Sumerians write about this, and so do the Dogon. The Dogon also write about this. Um, I think it's even mentioned in the Egyptians somewhere along with some of the stuff in the Egyptians. But 
So what happened was, is the reptilians came back to Earth. They landed up there with Naribu, landed up by the Dogons. The Dogon said, hey, you know, there's some, some beans down there. And we don't know what the Dogon were back then. Uh, maybe half monkey, half human species or something. We really don't know. This is a long time ago. They came down and found this race. And the reptilians started stealing the women, raping the women, and sending them back. The women would have children. Now, both these races wrote about this. So this is an interesting story because you can find it in both in oral text and in ver- and written text. Uh, well, the Dogon really weren't big on writing things down. They, it's more oral text. Than anything, but you can still go up there. You can go listen even today. But anyway... Uh, long story short, um, they came in, they sold these women. These women were born different. They were born different in the fact that uh, uh, the children were born different in the fact that they didn't look different, but they acted different. Mom would say, hey, go get this. And like, mom, you go do it. And this was a progression from that point forward. Eventually, there was enough of these children that they rebelled and took over Samaria, brought the collapse of Samaria and the rise of Egypt is basically what happened. Um, so this all went on around this time, and that's when we were born, the species, this species here. So don't forget, everybody has a reptilian section in their brain. I know people get mad at me when I bring this up, but we do have a reptilian section in our brain. Now, science says we got it way back way when we evolved from reptilians into homo sapiens and what we are today, uh, and that's where it comes from. But no one can actually tell you what reptilian it was. You know, was it a dinosaur? No. Was it a raptor of some kind? What is it? What what reptilian section? Was it some little neon thing on a, a pup on the ground? What the hell was it? Uh, but no one can actually tell you that. They'll just fast and say, oh, it, it came back before we evolved. It was, you know, it's, it's from back when the dinosaurs ruled. Well, you know, in case you haven't noticed, there's stuff that ruled before the dinosaurs. Why don't we have any of that? So, but the Dogon and the Sumerians tell you what happened. They said that they used to take these people and there was a new race born. And that race is the race that started changing the world. That was the race that became violent. That was the race that was like, screw y'all, I'm not doing this. Uh, they're the ones that probably brought the slave, the end of the slavery in, in Egypt. It, it's just, this was, ra- this was a race that no, realized they didn't have to no longer be subservient. They were the mass. They weren't the, the minimum. They were the mass. They were the majority of people by far. So they realized that they had the power. But the species before them didn't. That's the same species that's here today with the exception Somewhere along the line, the greys introduced their blood into ours, and that might have been where RH negative came from. No way of knowing for sure. But somewhere along the line, their DNA got mixed in as well. So before, it was whatever we originally came from, greys and humans' DNA, and that was us. That was who we were. And then for some reason, somewhere in the past, um, they introduced their blood. The problem with all this is is, is the, the streams of how long this took place have to be longer than 6,000 years. This went on longer than 6,000 years. It started before 6,000 years is what I should say. So it looks like it's now that we're finding cities older than the 6,000 year mark, we're starting to realize that yes, it probably was. And we don't know what cities existed even 30 or 40,000 years ago when, um, well, yeah, when great glaciers just turned them to mush and sent them into an ocean somewhere. Well, a stone building or even a brick building with a big, huge glacier, it, it would grind it down to small rocks and dissipate it in the river or send it down to the ocean. You'd never find it. But you'd find things that looked interesting, but you wouldn't know. But look at Bimini Road. I mean, we know it's out there. We know there are two sunken cities off the coast of Cuba. We don't want to talk about them. Why? One sitting in 800 feet of water, one sitting in 2,000 feet of water. And 
one of when you look at the aerial photo, the pyramids are huge. I mean, you can see them that far down, and they look huge that far down. But we don't want to talk about them because they predate even the Indian cities. They're probably much older than that. So it looks like there was advanced civilization on this planet much further back in our history than we want to admit to. But for some reason, humans have gotten this dogmatic thing where we have to stick with stupid shit. Excuse my language. Um, we just get stuck in these views that we can't let go. Like religious views, whatever the, whatever the view may be, you just get stuck in it and you can't let it go. Even though you know it now, it's wrong. You're still like, no, it has to be right. It has to be right. It has to be right. You know what? I hate to tell you all this. We're going to be wrong more than we're right for a long time to come. It's nothing wrong with it. You just have to admit, hey, I made a boo-boo and move on. I mean, it's that's part of life. Uh, we'll take a couple more questions and we got to get out of here because coming up next is the Outer Realm with the lovely Michelle DeRoche and the fabuloso Emilia. Yes, Emilia Passano. That's two of my favorite hosts on the network. They're gorgeous, intelligent. What else do you want? I uh, know. What else do you want in a woman? <laughs> oh, gorgeous, intelligent, rich. <laughs> well, they're that too. So there you go. You got everything you're looking for, but they both have husbands. So you're you're kind of out of luck there, my friend. <laughs> and and they have me, who's a you know like a like a demon that watches over them. No, but anyway, go ahead with the question. I'm sorry, I got carried away messing around with them. They are. They'll be on in about ten minutes. John, go catch them. Uh, our government doesn't know even 10% of what they want you to think they know. They don't. I know that for a fact because I've been tapped many times to talk about stuff. And, um, it, you know, I shouldn't even talk about this. So there's been a couple of times in the last few years that I've been invited to speak at private conferences. I don't know how many of y'all have ever been to a private conference. Um, sometimes when I get there, it's five people. No, it's, it's, I still get paid full price, which is I, I charge pretty good for a private conference, and uh, and that's the and you can tell when you get there is a, a table with some food and five seats. It wasn't meant to be any bigger than that. These are people when you look at them; they're very well dressed. You know, I, I come from a fairly wealthy family, and um, not me. I'm poor. I'm a poor dago, but the rest of them are pretty wealthy, and. Um, you can see the type of clothes they're wearing, type of shoes they're wearing, watches they're wearing, rings they're wearing. I mean, and really, really classy, wealthy people don't overdo it a lot. You're not going to see a lot of jewelry and stuff like that. The stuff they're going to wear itself speaks all it needs to speak for itself. Yeah, and you can tell. Well, a lot of times you can tell with the way they speak too, but a lot of people can train themselves to speak. Well, if I really wanted to... And I do it from time to time at conferences. I can sound like uh, Bill Clinton or or any typical well-educated liberal from the Northeast. Yeah, I got to watch myself when I get into that. But mm -hmm. It's just another way of speaking. Well, it depends who I'm speaking to. How I actually, Well, there's one way I can do it. It's a melatonin voice I use. It's just, good evening. How are you tonight? And let's talk about, you know, and, and just goes on that whole way. When I do those kind of shows, no one ever leaves. The audience just gets bigger and bigger and bigger because they're just mesmerized. After about 15 minutes, they're just zoned into whatever I'm saying. Yeah, it's creepy weird, actually. Yeah, well, I do know how to do hypnosis. Yes, you're right about that. And I can teach hypnosis, too. I got degrees in a lot of different things, actually. I even got... um. 
I don't have it anymore. I, what it's not a it's not been updated, but I had my private investigator license for about a decade. Well, the only reason I got it was is is the cops in certain places when you go to certain places get in certain things, and you have when the cops don't seem to be as bitchy about it. I guess is what I'm looking for. Yeah, they they're kind of more. Well, I got a bachelor's in science and advanced avionics and advanced electronics. I got a degree in aircraft recognition. Mm. <laughs> you know, I was just talking about that with a friend of mine today. I did have to take piano for four or five years. You know, I was telling him, though, it's been so long since I played. I think I can remember two songs. I can remember the theme from Archie Bunker and um, Heaven, Stairway to Heaven. That's the only two things I can remember. And I'd have to sit down and actually play them to, to actually get them right. I used to love to play. Oh, I did. I loved to play. But uh, my life got complicated. It's called girls. Anyway, <laughs> I said even said that out loud. Oh, yes. It complicated my life. What can I say? Mm. No, my family was fairly comfortable. Yeah. My dad owned uh, a real estate company. Uh, the only downside to it, I mean, he, he brought a lot of money in and we had a lot of money in the family, but we moved a lot. We'd build like 10, 15 homes and we'd move into one, uh, you know, the biggest one. And then we would sell all the rest. And when that one got ready to sell, we'd already started building the new ones. So as soon as that one sold, we moved. If the new one wasn't ready, we actually moved into a rental somewhere until the new one's ready. Then we moved in. There's actually times I actually changed school three times in one year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it could really suck sometimes. That's when they decided, because um, I was in Catholic school, I think, before that. So that's when my mom decided, oh, no, private school from here on. Because private school didn't matter. They'd, they'd pick me up anywhere I was at. Anywhere in the Tri-City area, they would pick me up. So, uh, We haven't yet. Yeah, uh, UFO Paranormal Radio, I believe, is the UFO channel. UFO YouTube channel. Even though I've been fighting with them today, we didn't even talk about that. No, really. I, it's been one year I changed. It was a couple of years I changed twice. One year I changed three times. It's a bitch, man. Uh, I had a little white doughboy at the time, too. It, was, it wasn't easy. Oh, no, it wasn't easy. It was tough. Helped me build a lot of character, I'll tell you that. But somewhere, I got a little bit older. I got used to it, and then uh, I had the right attitude. Making new friends, making new. But it's tough in the beginning, man. You know, I was, We're talking when I was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. It was tough. And I hated Catholic school. I loved private school, but I hated Catholic school. Uh, oh, yeah, I hated it. But I loved When I got in private school, I never wanted to go anywhere else again. Uh-uh. No, indeed not. It was a fabulous school. I, I got to go to concerts. And stuff. Well, we got to go to rock concerts, too, but we did. We did. We got to see a lot of theater. We got to see opera. I got to learn so many different things in so many different ways. It not only helped me to educate, you know, my brain on, on, you know, English, math, science, but it helped me to broaden my education on the arts and other things. It was really great. Our teacher, you know, we had to do a book, uh, a book report a week on the classics. Uh, it was, it was a great education. Yeah. My son, he didn't want to go. He's like, <laughs> he's like, no, no, and my son, he's bright. He's, he's actually a talented writer. I just wish he'd write more. I tell him all the time, you know, I got, I got lots of friends in the writing circuits these days. 
because uh, I do a lot of work for writers of the future, and I know all the big writers over there. You know, the guy who wrote Dune, the guy who wrote um, Caribbean, uh, the one who wrote uh, Ender's Game. They're all judges over there. Oh yeah. So you know, you want to know the, the ins and outs of the real way. That's the people I talk to. Mm-hmm. I'll be there. Oh, I'm glad y'all said that. So I'll be down in LA uh, the last week of April. Anybody wants to come by? I don't know what the hotel is yet. Damn, we used to stay at the Roosevelt, but John said they were changing hotels this year. So it's John Goodwin, by the way, guys and girls from Galaxy Press. Um, no, we were at the Roosevelt the last few years. I don't know what the gala. Oh, I can't remember the place it was held, but it's going to be held at the same place. So you know, but that's invitation only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot of rich, naughty people that show up to gala. Yeah, it's a Hollywood gala. What do you expect? And it's, you know, everybody's invited and a lot, of, a lot of movie stars show up. A lot of people from soap opera show up. I met a lot of people when I was there. I met a lot of people from like Space Command and stuff like that. They show up. It's, it's an interesting group of people. You mean, what do I do for the gate? I sit and eat and watch. My days are done by the time we get to the gate. All my interviews are done. Everything's wiped out and ready to go. But no, I love people to come visit. I'll put some of y'all at work. You know, we do a lot of interviews and stuff seven or eight a day. Uh, more than willing to have lunch with anybody who shows up and you know oh i enjoy going i always have a good time i got a few friends out in la too these you know i made friends over the last decade or so out there <laughs> yeah you know a good friend of mine told me that yesterday he said joe he said man he said you're gonna go out there one of these years and it's gonna shake and bake i said i hope not man because i'm always like in the middle of the hotel somewhere <laughs> you know the floors yeah, I know. But anyway, I have a good time with that. I hope everybody else does. Well, I know a few people are worried because of the turkeys, the uh, turkey earthquakes. There have been two, two, I mean, there's been a bunch of bad ones, but there have been two really bad on the border. That's hell, man. I don't know. I, I, I'm disappointed. This is when I was a young man, 16, 17 years old. I, this is not the world I pictured living in. Uh, later on in life i just i just thought it would be a better place and it's got a lot of accomplishments i don't, I don't want to take away from anything because it's there's a lot of good things about living today but there's just some things that, that i can't still believe is going on uh all i just i just have a hard time with it well life should be different people should be better than what they are i'm not always better than what i am i try but i'm not always i can be irritated like anybody else Yes, but anyway, one last question we got to get out of here because they're going to be starting in just a second. You, you mean, oh, why did the aliens come here? More than likely, the grays, the reptilians probably showed up a long time ago because it was a reptilian-style planet. I mean, the reptilians probably showed up a long time ago because it was the type of planet it was. They were probably like, wow, look at this. They were probably having a ball here. They probably set up shop, probably had some colonies. They're not actually from the Draco system. They have a colony in Draco, but they have colonies all over the place just like the humans do. Um, but they probably came here. We're here somewhere. They caught the meteorite. The, the meteor was coming here. The asteroid was coming here. They said, oh, we got to go. Big asteroid coming. You know, we'll come back in a couple million years and check it out. And when they came back, or if they came from underground, some people think they were underground or maybe both. When they came back, they found human-type aliens with some kind of slave race working for them. They must have been pissed, man, because as far as they were concerned, this was their planet. Now it's nobody's planet. It's our planet. Whether they're here or not, it is our planet now. All seven, almost all eight billion of us live here now. And it's our damn planet. The only way you're getting us all off is if you wipe us out. 
I know. That's what I'm saying. But anyway, we got to go, guys and girls. I had a good time tonight. We didn't get into a third of what we wanted to talk about. We got to stop getting off track. Uh, you know what? Maybe I will do it. I mean, if y'all really want to talk about the the, the Apollo program, I'm a, I, look, I geeked out from, from Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo. Now, Mercury and Gemini is pretty young, but um, yeah, well, I, I think I was in diapers for Mercury, dude. I mean, give me a break. I'm not that old. Jesus. <sighs> However old I am, I'm damn sexy, so that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't resist. No, I'm saying serious. I'm damn sexy. I can't. I'm not like pretty boys. Pretty boys are not sexy. They pretty boys. <laughs> anyway, we got to go and thank everyone for tuning in to UFO Undercover with Joe Montaldo and hanging out on United Public Radio. And don't forget, guys and girls, you can find us on Roku. You can get up, pro, pl- up close and personal. Uh, you know, my Roku has a zoom in button so you can see everything that's behind me even half time. I don't know what's back there. Oh, and someone did win fear because 186 miles per second is light speed. Yes. And I'm not going to mention your name, Jeannie, but you know, it's light speed, people. 186,000 miles per second. You are now traveling at light speed. Or better yet, hey, baby, how you doing? <laughs> I got to go. Y'all have a good night and I'll see you everybody Friday night. Stay out of trouble, peeps.